Well, good evening, everybody, and welcome to our first session in the Living the Faith series here at St. Patrick's. Let's begin tonight with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray for all the graces that we need to fully and totally orient ourselves toward you for the sake of our salvation, our healing, and our eternal joy. We pray this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Good evening, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. As I said, this is the first session in our Living the Faith series. The Living the Faith series, and really what we're doing tonight is we're simply talking about what we're going to be doing this year and how we're going to be doing it. So if you were at Mass a few weeks ago at St. Patrick's, I mentioned that this year we were going to get down to the business of actually pursuing sainthood, of actually making what we call at the, pro at the parish measurable progress, actual measurable spiritual progress. Can we see that the ball is moving forward supernaturally in our life? Or do we maybe feel stagnant, like we're standing still? Or do we maybe feel like we're sliding backward? Whatever the case may be, this is our intro session to going forward. So I guarantee, 100% guarantee, because this is not from me, none of this information comes from my mind. If you were to implement the concrete suggestions in this program fully and totally, you would achieve a very high level of sanctity in a very short period of time. And that high level of sanctity would bring you a great deal of supernatural joy, not just in this life, but in the one to come. So this is what I'm recommending. This is what I want us to do as a parish. And in future years, we'll have two tracks this track, which is the basic level, the foundation of the house. In future years, there'll be a, a secondary track that's the first floor and the second floor and the third floor and whatnot. But this year, we're going to set the foundation, okay? So we're going to answer a few questions. The first one is, what's the purpose of this series? A lot of people knock the Baltimore Catechism. If you're quite young, you probably don't know what the Baltimore Catechism is. Well, it was a book. I believe it came out of the Archdiocese of Baltimore, and uh, it was essentially a nice light summation of the Catholic faith, and they taught it to kids. You learned it in school, and you memorized pithy little phrases. You know me and my love of pithy little phrases. And perhaps the most famous pithy little phrase in that little catechism was what the purpose of human life is. So if we ask what the purpose of this series is, we're basically asking what the purpose of human life is. And the Baltimore Catechism said very simply, but very eloquently, eloquently, that the purpose of human life was to know and to love and to serve God in this life so that we can be happy with him in the next. That's a darn good summation, actually. No reason to knock that. The shorter way of putting it is the purpose of this life is to become a saint. 
And remember, a saint is simply being who we actually are, not who we think we are, who we actually are. And if you're anything like me, when you were little, you thought this meant becoming some kind of weirdo, frankly. Uh, some sad, skinny person in a dark cell in the Middle Ages, uh, flogging themselves, drinking ashes, you know, and there you go. Congratulations, sainthood. That's not sainthood at all. I mean, you can achieve sainthood in a situation like that if you're called to it. But sainthood is becoming who you actually are. It's you minus evil and brokenness. That's not too hard to wrap the mind around, right? What if we could have ourselves, but we didn't make any evil choices and we were completely healed? That's sainthood. So not only can everyone become a saint, everyone is designed to become a saint. Anything less is less than what we're made for. We're made for greatness. God is what we call in theology and philosophy our telos. It's the Greek word for end or purpose. We are the product of a very complicated design. And that complicated design terminates in God himself. So whenever we want anything, whatever it might be, a wine glass full of coconut water, what we really want is God. It could be anything at all. If the thing is good, we want God. And if it's bad, we're tricking ourselves into thinking that it's good, and we still want God. He's our ultimate end. He's our telos. He's our purpose. Or as I said in my homily last week, he's the only why. So think about that the next time that you want something. Stop and think, you know what I really want? is my ultimate fulfillment. And ultimate fulfillment is union with God and greatness. So it begs the question then, if that's the purpose of our life, if that's what we're doing, well then, how do we do it? How do we actually become saints? The short and the simple answer is we live our faith. But if you're anything like me, you have lived the Catholic faith, in two modalities. The first modality is as a series of debt obligations. We should not be fulfilling debt obligations as the center of our faith, as the conception of our faith. We should be actually living it, core on core, heart to heart, person to person, human person to divine person. But I lived it as debt obligation. And when you live it as, as dead obligation, it's just a bunch of boxes to tick, right? It's like, all right, God, I ticked your baptism box and I ticked your first communion box. Thanks for that pneumonia, by the way. And then I ticked your confirmation box. Didn't really care about it, but I did it because the other kids were doing it, peer pressure. And uh, so I'm in your club. And if I'm in your club, Apparently, I'm safe from the boogeyman and from some theoretical dark place in the future. 
and you call it good and it doesn't really have any impact on your life at all. Well, that's not what it is at all. That's the polar opposite of what it is. What it actually is, is a dynamic, supernatural reality. Think about that. One side is static and one side is dynamic. It's alive, it's moving. So what does that mean? It means that our Catholic faith is not the product of a bunch of guys sitting around and thinking, you know, this would be a great idea. We could actually probably overcome the world in terms of belief if we got this puppy going. That's what many atheists say that Christianity is. It's not. Our Catholic faith comes to us directly from the mind of God. It's not a man-made invention. It's his plan to save us from ourselves. Remember, he had the choice when he made this world to either make just stuff and some kind of cool advanced stuff like giraffes and monkeys and things, or to make something that was truly like him, that shared in his ability to know itself and to know that it's knowing itself to give it rational consciousness, and he chose to make us. But if you have rational consciousness, if you know that you know something, if you have interiority, self-reflectiveness, you're also automatically free. You're radically free. We can do anything we want. God isn't gonna reach out and, and truly stop us. He might try to step in and intervene and say, hey, hey, that's a bad idea, I love you but he's not gonna hold our hand back if that's truly what we want. Because if you're rationally conscious, you're also radically free. And with our radical freedom, we decided to say to him, no thanks. Whatever you're offering, this whole eternal life business, and I'm gonna try it on my own. I'm gonna see what knowledge and power are like on my own. And that decision of our primordial parents was so integral it was so deep that it fundamentally changed our human nature in such a way that we couldn't get ourselves out of it i don't know if you've ever gotten your hand stuck in a jar i was that kid that got my hand stuck in a jar you know not the brightest bulb and when your hand's stuck in a jar you're, you're in a pickle that you can't get out of if you're a little kid and we got ourselves into the greatest conundrum that has ever existed, the fact that we literally broke our design and then couldn't fix it. We broke ourselves and we couldn't fix ourselves. And in the midst of that brokenness, he says, I will come fix it myself. If you ever wonder why Jesus, why this incarnation stuff, it's because we simply couldn't do it on our own. He had to come down inside of our nature and to fix us from the inside. It's the most God-like thing that has ever occurred because he is totally and utterly selfless. What's more totally and utterly selfless than coming down, incarnating yourself in your creation that's broken itself, taking upon yourself everything that's evil and bad and hurtful and painful and dark, 
and atoning for it so that they can still be with you if they want to be with you. That's what God is really like. He's not a tyrant. He's a loving father with a plan. And his plan for us is he wants us to live. Not just now, but fully forever. That's union with God. How do we have union with him? We begin to pursue it and we choose it. This series is how to actually concretely live supernaturally in this life so that we can be happy with God in the next. It's the entire purpose of human life. So with that said, concretely, what are we going to do and how are we going to do it? This is session one. Like we said, this is an intro session, but there are eight more sessions. And these are just 30 minutes a month with an optional Q&A afterward if you want to hang around. Just 30 minutes a month. I challenge us all, stick this out until the very end. Here's what we're going to do. In the next talk, we're going to talk about reconciliation. We're going to talk about getting right with God and others. If there's anything between us and the God of the universe, and we kind of know it's been there and it's been on our back burner to take care of it and whatnot, now's the time to get reconciled. Now's the time to lay it down at his feet and say, I'm serious about being with you. I'm serious about pursuing you. It's also the time to think about perhaps the people that we don't have the best relationship with. Or maybe there's brokenness in that relationship. Remember, God's a trinity. He is relationship. So the highest form of existence in the universe is relationship, not being alone. And so if we have something with somebody, if there's something between us, now is the time to reconcile even if it's very difficult. Because I'll tell you this, beloved, I have been with a lot of people at the end of their life. I've been with a lot of people as they have exited this world, this realm, and they really just want one thing, reconciliation. They just wanna be reconciled to God and to anybody that they're not reconciled with from their past. So if we do that now, we're ready. No matter what, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how sideways it's going, no matter how stressful it gets, we're ready. And you see this in the lives of the saints. You see this in the lives of the people who actually lived their true life, their true identity. When it got real rough, they were still at peace and they were still joyful, even the martyrs who gave their lives for our Lord and the faith. So we're gonna talk about reconciliation and how to go deep with that, how to do a daily examination of conscience and the nature of interpersonal reconciliation. In session three, we're gonna talk about inner healing. So achieving freedom from our past hurts. The reality is this life hurts. And it is wounding. 
And 100% of us have some kind of woundedness in us. And we don't recognize that a lot of the time, that woundedness or part of it is driving our behavior. It could be something way in the past that happened decades ago. And if it's not fully healed, it's in us and it's driving our behavior. How do we get healed of that? We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about specifically healing in relationships on a supernatural level. Because when we have a relationship that is traumatic or wounding or very intense or intimate or whatnot, it creates a spiritual tie between us and the other person. And if the other person is into some stuff that isn't so great, we can be the recipients of that spiritual heritage. We want to make sure that that is cut off and that the only thing we're connected to is God and the people that he's given us to help us be sanctified. Session four, we're going to talk about deliverance. Now you want to get people's attention, just start talking about the devil. The reality is, though, it's not so great to talk about him because he doesn't deserve anything. He doesn't deserve much attention. But he's in this realm he prowls like a roaring lion looking for whom he can devour. And so we have to know how to achieve spiritual freedom. We have to know how to rebuff him. We have to know how to rebuke his attacks. We have to know how to cut ourselves off from anything that is contrary to the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to go through the concrete realities of, well, how do you know if you're being affected by the enemy in any kind of way? How do you renounce specific things if you have to renounce them? How do you renew your baptismal promises? We'll go over all of that in session four. Session five, we're going to talk about the sacramental life. You hear me say it all the time. It's another one of my little mantras. Daily prayer, weekly mass, monthly confession. Keeps us spiritually alive. What's the sacramental life really like? What's the sacramental economy? What are sacraments? How are they giving us the supernatural and divine life of God directly mediated through a physical reality? And we're going to talk about going to Mass every week and going to confession every month as a basic practice to keep us spiritually alive and fresh. Session six is the second session on prayer. And we're going to talk about praying with the mind or what's called mental prayer. So this is union with God in the interior life, invoking the Holy Spirit for specific virtues and effects. God, I'm dealing with this thing right now. How do you call upon him and then receive the grace that you need to deal with that specific thing? And then once again, how do you renounce spirits that you may need to renounce or realities that you have to distance yourself from? What's the nature of praying with your mind? Because when we're sanctified, we're praying all day in the mind. It's not checking in with God for a few minutes, and then I'll see a God tonight when I go to bed. Maybe I'll say a few prayers so I don't have any scary dreams. It's talking in intimacy. It's connection and intimacy all the time. That's sainthood. It's not boring. It's not scary. It's literally what we're made for, and it's the happiest version of human life. And then. In session seven, we're going to talk about Marian devotion. Union with God, 
through intimacy with his mom, with his human mother. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm all about the Marian devotion. I'm all about the daily rosary. The, many of the saints have spoken very highly of it. It's a devotional prayer, so it's not necessary for salvation. But man, if you find a nice path through the woods, you remember that path and you take it. And the woods of this life, they are dark and they are encroaching. And Mary is a beautiful and lighted path right on through it into heaven. So we're going to talk about who she is, what our orientation to her is, what does a relationship with her look like? How do you pray to her? What are the prayers that we can use? How do you build that relationship with her so we can be even closer to God? Session eight, we're going to talk about the sacred scriptures and spiritual reading. The scriptures renew our mind when we allow that truth, that eternal truth, to wash over us. It literally renews our intellective faculty. It renews the thing that we think with. And so we are thinking more clearly and more calmly than we normally would. And spiritual reading goes closely with it. You get a great book by a saint, like Introduction to the Devout Life, basically an instructional manual on how to become a saint, and that is spiritual food that you can chew on literally for the rest of your life. When you're tired, when you're like, God, I don't have strength to pray today, I don't even know what to do, you can pick up that book and you can see a concrete example of someone who is living it and doing it, and it draws you into that reality. And then finally, in session nine, we're going to talk about becoming a servant, the living embodiment of our faith. We know from the scriptures, from the book of James, that in order to really be Catholics, in order to really be Christians, we have to have faith and works. Because if you say that you believe something, but then act contrary to it, or don't do anything at all, do you actually believe that thing? And the answer is no. So if we actually believe it, we have to back it up with some kind of action. Doesn't mean we're working for our salvation. Doesn't mean we're earning our salvation. Just means we're putting our money where our mouth is and saying, absolutely, God, I believe in you. Fill me with your light and your grace and the power of your Holy Spirit to actually live this sanctity that you have given me over the past year with the people that are around me, with the interpersonal interactions that I have every day. God, give me the grace to live as a saint today and always. That's what we're doing. That's where we're going. Once again, I encourage you, stick it out with us. Just 30 minutes a month for this academic year. I guarantee it will absolutely change your spiritual life. Now, we have some time for some Q&A if you are interested in that type of thing. And if you are interested in that type of thing, you can just pop your question into the group chat. And I will do my best to answer the question. Just make sure that it's directed toward everyone in the meeting, okay? Is confession an in-person affair? Absolutely. So confession, the sacrament of confession, is 
our Lord himself absolving you of your sins, and he is incarnated God-man. And so he chooses to exercise that aspect of his divine power through men who are spiritually configured to him in that way. And priests are spiritually configured to him in that way. It comes to us through the apostles, through our ordination. Jesus is resurrected. He blows on the apostles in his resurrected body, the Holy Spirit, and says, whosoever sins you forgive are forgiven, whosoever sins you retain are retained. And he ascends into heaven. So it is a real reality that he has bestowed upon the church. So it's, a, it's an in-person affair. Got to be there in body and in soul. Uh, are these in order for any reason? For example, do you need to be reconciled and healed before you can properly serve? They are in a certain order, but they are not in the order that everyone will experience them. Is it good to be reconciled and healed before you serve? Absolutely. So we'll go through these things, but many times with my directees and with other people, we will combine confession and healing and deliverance all into one reality. And then we move on from there. I would say preeminently, if you know of something that's of a serious matter that should be brought to confession, that that be the first thing that you do. Because then everything else will be in its proper context and place. Do you have a particular saint who inspires your spiritual life that we could look into more? Yes, there's a few. Well, I have a devotion to St. Timothy. My name is Timothy. But um, in terms of saints that wrote about the sainthood, the gold standard in my mind is St. Francis de Sales. You know, he mentioned this book or he wrote this book that I mentioned, Introduction to the Devout Life. It is literally an instructional manual on how to become a saint. He is writing to a fictional character called Philothea, which is, just means the love of God. And he is instructing her on how to become a saint. And it's so specific, and it sounds like it was written yesterday, and each little chunk is like a page or a page and a half, and you can just digest it. And it corresponds to actual concrete realities that basically everybody experiences in human life. It's absolutely fantastic. Introduction to the Devout Life, St. Francis de Sales. Well, I'll be talking about the Eucharist. I will. So in our section on uh, sacraments and then the Mass, we'll talk about, well, why do we have an obligation to go to Mass, as the Church puts it? Why would you be obligated to, to go to something like that? And the short answer is, if you knew Jesus himself was going to be in a specific room at a specific time, and he said, hey, I'll meet you over there on Sunday at 10, and you didn't show up, would that have an impact on your spiritual life? It would indeed. It would indeed. So we'll talk about the Eucharist. Is there another primer we should consider to read uh, in between sessions? Well, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. If you have not read the Catechism of the Catholic Church from cover to cover, 
I highly recommend it. I have a bunch of copies of it. Next time you see me, if you're like, oh, I need a copy of it. It's only $9 or something, $9.50, but I got a bunch of copies of it. And it is a beautiful and succinct summation of the whole thing, the nature of reality and existence itself, the creation of man, the fall, God's plan to get us out of our mess, the church, the sacraments, how they affect us, how they bring us to heaven. It's everything just splayed out in beautiful clarity. So Catechism of the Catholic Church. If you want to go deeper with knowledge of the faith itself, that's my top recommendation. If we're talking about spiritual progress and the constituent elements of sainthood, introduction to the devout life, that's my recommendation. Some guidance for a richer experience during adoration. There are actually many resources uh, in terms of doing a holy hour. So if you type into any search engine, um, Eucharistic adoration holy hour, a lot of these things will come up. There's a beautiful one that's a holy hour of reparation that can be made, but there are many different types of them. They focus on the reality that you're sitting in front of Jesus himself. He is hidden behind the appearance of bread, but he's truly there. He's truly right there. And when we're sitting in adoration, I'll tell you this, there's an aspect of getting closer to him that occurs just by being geographically present. It's what I've heard another priest compare it to a sunburn. If you're just out in the sun, it's going to affect you. If you're just sitting there in adoration, it's going to affect you. And so look into the resources of prayers to pray during uh, a holy hour, especially in reparation. But I default always to Mother Teresa in this regard. St. Teresa of Calcutta, somebody asked her, what's Eucharistic adoration? And she just said, I look at him, and he looks at me. That's the intimacy of adoration. Any recommendations for introduction to philosophy or theology um, to aid this journey? Well, I do recommend uh, to study some philosophy, but in terms of philosophy and theology at this level of what we're doing, you could derive everything you need from the catechism. There's a lot of philosophy in there, and it's a summation of all of our theology. Someone asked, how do you look for a, a, a spiritual director? Uh, my recommendation for looking for uh, a spiritual director is get a short list, go to prayer, get a short list, maybe three people that could possibly be the spiritual director, and put them at the feet of the Lord and say, God, is it any one of these three? And what will happen is if you invoke the Holy Spirit to guide you in that reality, one of the names will kind of float to the top. There'll be a little more peace on that one. It's appropriate at that point to reach out and see if that goes somewhere. It is really a process 
to find a spiritual director sometimes. I never ask you to do anything that I'm not doing myself. That would be utter hypocrisy. And so I'm trying to do all of these things myself. That's part of struggling up the mountain of the spiritual life. And there are people who are far ahead of me up that mountain. So let's struggle together. Let's just go on up together and I'll be your funny little spiritual Sherpa for about nine months, okay? And we'll get there together. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.